Well, I bring you greetings from my wife, Melanie, who is uh, in Costa Rica right now. Uh, she's hosting a team from Dallas. Uh, there was a team from Dallas that was uh, working in Guadalupe last week, and there's another team this week that's working with uh, my ministry, Ebok, and working with her ministry uh, there in Guadalupe. Uh, but she would love to be here, and she asked me to say hey to everybody. So, hey. Um, very quickly, I'll give you just a, a, a very, very brief um, uh, update on the ministry uh, because I do have to get through this message and we've got another group coming in. So uh, God has continued to bless the ministry. We're now in nine countries. Uh, I would have never dreamed that we'd be in nine countries, but we're in Central America. We're in South America. Uh, we're in North America. We've got uh, two Bible institutes that are working with uh, uh, Latino people in the United States. Uh, and uh, we are also in Africa, so, which was totally unplanned since the name of the ministry is Bible Institutes of uh, Latin America. You know, so Africa doesn't fit that category. Last time I checked up on my geography, but, you know, God, God has blessed. Uh, he's bigger than our geography categories. Uh, so God continues to bless, so uh, we appreciate your involvement and appreciate uh, your prayers uh, for us. All right, if you would, uh, open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and we're going to be considering uh, that as uh, our, our text today. Um, so what I've got up here, uh, this picture, um, that may look to you, I don't know what you see when you see that picture, but uh, this may look like tragedy, and what I want to say is it's not. Uh, it may look like an unfortunate accident. It's not. All these burning boats were set on fire, on purpose. It was the year 1519 and the conquistador Hernán Cortés had just arrived on the shores of Mexico and he had his men burn all of their boats so that the only direction they could go was forward. Going back was not an option if you burn the boats. Burn the ships? <laughs> that sounds like risky business to me. Solomon the king never met Cortez the sailor, but I think Solomon would have applauded the attitude. Burn the ships. Take the plunge. Dive in. Take a risk. That is precisely Solomon's advice and exhortation in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Burn the ships. Dive in. Take the plunge. Take a risk. Now, before we dive into Ecclesiastes chapter 11, let's acknowledge, those of you, I know Graham has taught through Ecclesiastes uh, in the past, Let's acknowledge that Solomon says some strange things in Ecclesiastes. For instance, he says, Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. 
Say what? He says, sorrow is better than laughter. For sadness has a refining influence on us. He says, don't long for the good old days. That's not wise. Because they're not coming back. And Solomon has some odd-sounding exhortations here in chapter 11. But his odd-sounding exhortations are consistent with what he's been saying throughout the entire book. Because here's what he says. Since life is fleeting and frustrating, how many of you would testify to that declaration? Life is fleeting and frustrating. Now, you're probably nodding your head from a place of experience. But this is what Solomon has been saying all through the book. Now, those are my words to try to capsulize what Solomon says. Life is fleeting and frustrating. And he has beat this drum until it almost sounds monotonous. He says it over and over and over and over again. How does he say it? Well, he says that life is empty, meaningless, futile, that it's all vanity. That's the Hebrew word hevel. Depending on how you translate that, that term, vanity, vanity, empty, empty, meaningless, meaningless, futile, futile, all is futility. He says that 33 times in the book. I'd say he's beating the drum. But he also says, this is my favorite expression, trying to figure life out is like chasing after the wind. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to chase the wind and, and, and try to grab it and catch it? You can't. It goes through your fingers. He says that nine times. So life is... Fleeting, frustrating, Solomon tells us that. You know that by your own experience. Nothing lasts forever. Things are here one minute and they're gone the next. It's frustrating. Life is frustrating, folks. W would you testify to that? Life is frustrating. I mean, good guys don't always win. Sometimes fools get to be the boss. We try this and we try that, but nothing ever really and truly satisfies. Here's another gemism to try to sum up what this fleeting and frustrating, chasing the wind, empty, futile, meaningless. My, my way to say it is it's unfigureoutable. <laughs> now that's that's not a that's not a real word, but that's a gem word. But I think it works. Life is unfigureoutable. We can't put all the pieces together and make them fit. Stuff happens and it makes us scratch our heads. And we figure out why. And here's what I've figured out after 63 years. You ready for what I've figured out? I can't figure God out. That's what I've figured out. I know he's good. I don't doubt that at all. But I struggle with why questions just like you do. 
Why me? Why her? Why now? Life is risky. It's full of misfortunes, calamities, uncertainties. When I preached through Ecclesiastes several years ago, there was an artist in our church, and I had her come up with art for every single sermon that I preached in the series, but here was the prevailing picture for what we tried to communicate in terms of what life is like. And I think that gets it pretty doggone well. You ever feel like you're just on a, a spinning top? Sometimes it's spinning this way, and all of a sudden it's spinning that way. And you're just hanging on for dear life, and, and, and things just don't add up, and they don't make sense, and, and your eyes are just... So how do we handle the fact that life is fleeting and frustrating? Life is unfigureoutable. What do we do about that? Well, Solomon, in chapter 11, exhorts us to two things. And, and, and it seems weird, it seems counterintuitive, but, folks, the gospel is counterintuitive. Following God is counterintuitive many times. So, since life is fleeting and frustrating, unfigureoutable, Solomon tells us, be bold, invest wisely, be bold. So let's, let's read verses 1 through 6 of chapter 11. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where it falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes into the bones of the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good." Now, in these verses, Solomon tells us there's a lot we don't know. D did you notice that? Four times in these verses, he tells us, for you do not know. In verse 2, you don't know what disaster may happen upon the earth. Verse 5, as you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, you don't know how that happens. How does life take place inside the womb? Anybody got an explanation for that? You don't know how that happens. So you don't know the work of God who makes everything. Verse 6, For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Do you think maybe Solomon is telling us you don't know? There's a lot of stuff you don't know. But based on that, he says, based on the fact that you don't know, take action. Because you don't know, do something. 
Be bold. Invest wisely. Just look at all of the images that he uses. You can't sit around just looking at, the, looking at the clouds and wonder, should I plant, should I not plant? Is it going to rain? Well, I don't know. It might rain, so I'm not going to plant because it might rain, but it might not. You don't know. Is the tree going to fall to the, sort, the, 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 the north or the south? You don't know. Wherever it falls, that's where it is. That's where it's going to lie. The only way to influence whether a tree falls to the north or the south is if somebody directs that tree. But if you just sit around, that tree's going to fall and it's going to be there. So if you want the tree to fall, do something. He who observes the wind will not sow. I, I don't know. It's windy today. I, it's, it's not a good day. I, maybe tomorrow. And basically Solomon is saying, folks, you, you, we, we can't know this kind, of this kind of stuff. We can't just sit around watching the wind and the clouds. We'll never plant. We'll never reap. You can't know what's going to happen, so you can't wait around forever for everything to line up just exactly the way you need it to line up before you take action. He says, you can't know, so take action. And if that doesn't go against everything within your human nature, then I question whether you're human. Take a risk. Invest. Now, verses 1 and 2. But send your seed out on the waters. Cast your bread upon the waters. Cast your seed upon the waters. Now, some people use that verse to try to say that this is a giving verse. If you, if you give, it'll come back to you. God will bless you. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think Solomon is just saying, look, <laughs> if you want a return on your resources, you've got to send your resources out. But if you just sit there and hold them, nothing's going to happen. And this sending your seed upon the waters, cast your seed upon the waters, is, is, is within the context of uncertainty. But I don't know what's going to happen to the boat. The boat might sink. There might be a storm. There might be pirates out there. True. But here's one thing for sure. If you don't send your seed, if you don't make an investment, guaranteed, you will receive nothing. Nothing. Take precautions, yes, but take the risk. It's like in baseball. I mean, it's better to go down swinging, right, than to every time strike out because you watch strike three go right past you. Now, if, if you swing, you might miss the ball. But here's one thing for sure. If you never swing the bat... 
You'll never get a hit. Now, you might get hit and get on base, but, I mean, that's not my good option. Swing the bat. Don't just go down looking every time. Okay. Until my next at bat. Risk. Invest. What? Well, risk and invest your stuff, your resources. I mean, there is a, a, a monetary element that Solomon is talking about in these verses. Put your resources in play. Verse 6 says that. Sow your seed. And, and, and sow it in multiple places because you don't know whether this is going to work or that's going to work. So diversify. Invest your stuff. Biblically, there's only four things we can do with our stuff, biblically speaking. You can crave it and chase it. Money. You can crave it and chase it. 1 Timothy 6, 9 to 10. People who long to be rich fall into temptation and trapped by many and foolish, harmful desires. Plunge them into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all evil. Some people craving money have wandered away from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Yeah, but you can crave it and chase it. <laughs> Bad idea, according to Paul, but that's a possibility. Just make your life ambition more money and more stuff. Or you can waste it. I've seen that. Here in Luke chapter 15, it talks about the prodigal son who wasted his father's inheritance. I saw that for the first time here in Jacksonville, Texas. I saw a man, you guys don't know him, he's long dead and gone. Uh, some of the old timers may, may have known him. Wasted two fortunes. And it was just tragically sad. Well, you can waste it. I mean, it's, it's not that hard to squander what God gives you. So, yeah, I mean, you can crave it and chase it. You can waste it. You can hoard it. Just store it up. Just accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. It's a possibility, according to James 5. Again, not a good idea, according to James. Or you can invest it. Does it surprise you that Jesus is in favor of investing everything that God has given you? Matthew chapter 25, you guys know about this parable where the landowner goes away and he gives his stewards two, five, and ten talents. And who's the one that's criticized? The one that just put it in the ground and did nothing with it. And when, when the master comes back, he doesn't hear good words. Well done, good and faithful servant. He's criticized. He's disciplined because he didn't do anything with his resources. But what do you think Jesus commends risk. Why do you think Solomon commends since life is fleeting and frustrating, unfigureoutable, therefore be bold and take a risk? Why do you think that's commended? I don't know, you think it might have something to do with faith? 
and trust. But it's not just about money. Not just invest your stuff. Invest yourself. Because I think what Solomon is talking about here is more than just profit and loss when it comes to, comes to money. He's talking about an approach to life. Life is uncertain. It's fleeting and frustrating. So, take a chance. Risk. Go on an adventure with God. Here's how Jack London put it. I would rather be ashes than dust. I would rather that my spark should burn out in a brilliant blaze than it should be stifled by dry rot. I would rather be a superb meteor, every atom of me a magnificent glow, than a sleepy and permanent planet. The proper function of man is to live, not exist. I shall not waste my days in trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. A reporter had just been to the Jack London Historical Memorial. And then immediately after that, he was assigned to the Oakland Raiders training camp. So with all of this in mind, he approached uh, quarterback Ken Stabler, and he showed him those words of, of Jack London. He said, what do you think Jack London means? Ken Stabler thought for a minute, and he said, I think he means throw deep. Throw deep. That's perfect. That's exactly what he means. Throw deep. Hey, wait a minute. There's a risk now. If you throw deep, there's a higher risk of an incompleted pass. If you throw deep, there's a higher risk of interception. If you throw deep, there's a higher risk you're going to be sacked because you have to stay in the pocket longer. But throw deep. Take a risk. Because sometimes when you throw deep, you win the game on one deep pass. Throw deep. Throw deep. <laughs> Take a risk. I've seen people from Fellowship Jacksonville throw deep and invest themselves. Some folks have taken adventures into cross-cultural ministry for the first time. Some people have done things they've never done before. But the risk was worth the investment. I know people from Fellowship Jacksonville who are throwing deep right now because they're investing their resources in missions and in ministry. And their attitude is, extra money? Let's give it to God and missions rather than indulge ourselves. I know people from this church that when money is tight, they say, let's give anyway and trust God. Invest yourself. Invest your resources. Fill up those boxes 
And you know what? I don't get a penny. I don't get a penny. In fact, I hadn't planned to do this. I'm going to put some money in the box. Fill up the box. Hadn't got much. I got a bunch of Costa Rican, but I ain't got much U.S. <laughs> There's all the dollars I got. Fill up the box. Find a ministry. Serve. Give yourself. Don't know if you can't do it? Take a risk. Don't have the time? Will you ever? Waiting for a few more things to fall in place? You have me sitting around here next year with the same excuse? Ah, well, all right, Jim. Have you ever taken Solomon's advice and taken a risk? Time or two? Like coming to Jacksonville, Texas to start a church with seven people? Like going to Huntsville, Alabama to restart a church with 30 people? Like leaving behind the familiarity of pastoring and the comfort of U.S. life and the nearness of family to live and work in Latin America? Risky? Every bit of it. Worth it? No doubt. Do it again. Life is fleeting. It's here one moment and it's gone the next. Don't let that freeze you. Move. Life is frustrating. Don't let that freeze you. Be bold. Invest yourself. And folks, trust. The word trust doesn't mean anything if there's not risk involved. And God wants us to trust him. But he doesn't just want us to live a life of faith. He also wants us to live a life of joy. And we see that in verses 7 to 10, where he says, be grateful, enjoy life. Verses 7 to 10, life is sweet, and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Man, when you wake up and see, it's good. It's a new day. So if a person lives many years, let him what? Rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice who? Oh, young man. Now in verse 80, talk to the, to the old person. If you live many years, rejoice. If you're young, rejoice. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that all these things God will bring you into judgment. So it doesn't matter if you're old, what Solomon say? Rejoice, enjoy life. If you're young, what's he say? Rejoice, enjoy life. But remember, you've got to give account to God. Be grateful, enjoy life. 
all through this book, I'm convinced this is the secret to the book. You can't figure life out, so stop trying. Just stop. You can't figure it out. It's never going to make sense. It didn't make sense to Solomon. It ain't going to make sense for us. But God gives us life and joy as a gift. So be grateful when it comes. He says this over and over in the book. Real quick. So I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are what? From the hand of God. For who can indeed or enjoy anything apart from him? I concluded there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor. For these are what? Gifts from God. Be grateful. God's given you life. God's given you the gift of joy. What's he say? So I saw there's nothing better than for people to be happy in their work. That is our lot in life. And no one can bring us back to see what happens after we die. Even so, I've noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat and drink and enjoy their work under the sun during their short life that God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy our work and accept your lot in life, this indeed is a what? Gift from God. <laughs> Folks, life and the capacity to enjoy it is a gift from God. It does not come from having everything figured out. So, wherever you are, whatever stage of life you find yourself in, enjoy your life. As an act of gratitude that God has given you because it is a gift from God. All ages, he talks to the old people. Man, old folks, don't sit around me. I know. 2017, 2018 for me were the hardest years of my life physically. It ain't easy getting old. I don't like it. But you know what? I've only got one shot at this thing. I'm going to give it my all. Old people, verse 8, rejoice. Some folks have said, childhood is for fun. Middle age is for work. Old age is for God. Solomon says, uh-uh, no. It's all for fun. And it's all for God. Enjoy. All ages. This is my professor, Warren Wearsby, who died earlier this year. But I had the privilege of taking a course from him before he passed. He was old when he was my professor. He was much older almost 20 years later. Here's what he said. As I get older, I'm asking God to keep me from getting set in my ways in a life that's routine, boring, and predictable. Yeah, I want that to be my orientation as well. 
I, I love this story. I got to tell the story, and then I'm quitting. Really, I am. I'm going to quit. <laughs> this guy, S.L. Potter, was 100 years old. He wanted to go bungee jumping. So his, his kids, who were 68 to 74, didn't want him to go bungee jumping. But they couldn't talk him out of taking this 210-foot walk up this tower and jump off. So he did in front of his kids. We're 68 and 74. You know what his first words were when he got down? 100 years old. Give me back my teeth. <laughs> Give me back my teeth. Don't you love that? <laughs> Here, hold these. I'm going to go take a bunch of Enjoy life because you get one go. But verse 9 reminds us, in your enjoyment of life, don't forget, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. I just made an observation in the text that I hadn't made before. Four times he tells us we don't know. One time here he tells us, what do we know? God's going to bring us into judgment for what we do. So what's his exhortation? Throw deep. Dive in. Enjoy life. No matter what age you are. Young people, 1 Timothy 4.12 says, let no one look down upon your youth, but you be an example of life, love, and godliness. Young people, show us what it looks like to follow Jesus in your youth. But old, po old folks, old people, Don, I'm talking to you. No. Old people, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't say, hey, I put in my time. I'm done. I quit. Don't do that. Hey, let's show these young bucks what it looks like to follow Jesus all the way to the finish line. Because they don't need to be seeing folks and thinking, well, you know, you do it for a while and then, you know, you just kind of coast. What Solomon tell us? I, I think Solomon tells us basically this. You've got one life to live under the sun. You don't get a do-over. You get one go. You got one life to live under the sun. You can't figure it out. So because you can't figure it out, trust God. You can enjoy it, but don't forget God. What are you going to do with your one life under the sun? Don't bury it in the ground. Throw deep. Did Jesus ever put it all on the line for us? Yeah, and you know what? He didn't step into the dark unknown. He took a bold and obedient step into a dark known.
did Jesus ever give us any promise at all about something that would encourage us as we follow him in this life of bold risk? Ah, you know, maybe something like, I will never leave you or forsake you. So I encourage you this morning, whatever age you are, burn the ships. Take a swing. Dive in. And give your all to the one who gave his all for you.